I would love to see more healthcare professionals in entrepreneurship. I think from from the ones who I've interacted with and, and become friends with along this journey, what amazing gifts and talents they and we all have to bring to other aspects of healthcare or business aside from patient care. And I think that our patient care training and our medical training provides such a unique perspective in so many other facets of of life and business. And, you know, it wasn't until I went into entrepreneurship that I realized that I was good at all these other things on the business side of things. And it really was an eye opener. And I, and I have seen that in other people too. So I, I love to hear about healthcare professionals going into business for themselves or entrepreneurship. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University, and class is in session. And we are live. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, tenulating, and money-making Mr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up? What up? What up? Look, I, I'm not even going to lie to y'all. Listeners, life is good. I'm happy. I just got to say something because Carl has this new title. I'm just Paul. So, you know, I got to let y'all, you know, hear my voice know who I am. Do not forget me, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be alive and I'm happy to be safe. Thank you. Just Paul. We appreciate you. <laughs> now guys, you know, uh, each week we love to bring you special guests that can help you, you know, transform your business, transform your brand, really transform your life. And this week is no exception. Very, very excited for this episode. And I think it's always interesting when you see the dynamic change from being the podcaster to being interviewed, right? So uh, this, will, this will be an interesting uh, conversation for sure. But without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest. Uh, she is the owner of the Resume RX, uh, host of the Nurse Becoming podcast, and has been featured in Scrubs Magazine, Nurse.org, KevinMD.com, and NurseGrid. Without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our healthcare entrepreneur and healthcare hero today we have the lovely miss amanda gorneri amanda thank you so much for joining us how you feeling i'm great thanks so much for having me i'm excited absolutely absolutely so amanda we like to be respectful of our guest time and with that being said let's just dive right into it we always think it's very important to start with why because where do where does the success, you know, where does the money, where does all of this stuff stem from? You know, it, it has to start with your why. And so with that being said, just right off the bat, tell us, why did you choose to pursue nursing? 
So my initial, my initial why to pursue nursing was really to be in service of others and to recognize how I could use my talents to leave an impact on the world. I'm very impact driven in all the decisions that I make. So when I was studying something else as an undergrad and realized that what I was studying was a little bit selfish, it wasn't really going to leave as much of an impact as I hoped, that's when I pivoted and realized that I was kind of destined for a future in nursing. So that was my original why that brought me to this profession. I love every time we interview a nurse, um, partly because my mom is one. Um, she started as a nurse and she became a CRNA. But, you know, growing up, we've always had the roots of nursing through and through in our household. So I love, love my nurses. Shout out to y'all. Um, I just want to get us started just by kind of digging back a little bit and getting into a quick foundation. Is that cool? Sure. All right. Awesome. So where um, I think a lot of us need to really understand is because, you know, because we're in the physical therapy profession, right? And um, just last night, I caused an outrage by asking a question about PTs going into business, right? Just, it's, it's a whole thing. But, you know, with nursing, I tend to see a lot of nurses, well, correction, I see a certain percentage of nurses at some point understand, okay, cool, I, I want to go either into business for myself or I want to take that next step, right? So for you, what at what point did you really feel that, you know, just turn of events to say, okay, I've been able to do this. I've learned these skills, but now this is where I need to be. And what was the reason for that? That's a great question. I, you know, initially sought to advance within my profession. I, I'm a nurse practitioner, so I have that advanced level of training. Um, so there was kind of that motivation to always do a little bit more. But after I had my twins about five years ago, that was really the moment that shifted everything for me. And it was mainly the struggle of being a full-time working person in a high-stress environment. I'm, I work in the emergency department. So the stress of being a full-time working person and having two little babies at home and having six figures of student loan debt you know, I kind of had this moment of why the heck did I even do this? You know, why did I go into all this debt just to work all the time to pay off the debt? You know, I was kind of in that, um, I don't know if it's resentment. I was in a little bit of a cycle of what was this all for? And that was what led me to really explore other ways that I could use my talents. Ultimately, what ended up happening is once I paid off my student loans. I, I put myself on the fast track plan there. That's when I cut my hours back at work to part-time so that I could be home more with my kids so that I could kind of balance the working mom life and the stay-at-home mom life. And in that extra time that I had, I thought about ways that I could start a business. So that was really when I started to look into other ways of making money that still kept me at home as opposed to second jobs that kept me out of the house. Earlier you mentioned, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just slide past this, 
But earlier you mentioned about finding yourself in that moment where it wasn't exactly resentment, but you're just like, look at all this debt I've taken up. Like the math is just not adding up for me right now. Um, in addition to the life you wanted to live as a mom, right? Um, so the question I have to ask, and just for the people, because I know somebody's listening to this and far too often people find themselves in that scenario where um, just, you know, I had a conversation with one of our interns yesterday who's doing lab right now. And she told me like, she was finding herself in that position. Like, is this worth it? Like, is all this work going to pay off? So for the people that are feeling that, hearing that and wondering to themselves, what then is this supposed to look like for me? Now for you, you understood um, that, okay, there are some priorities that you'd placed ahead of everything else and they needed to be the ones that you place a light on. But how then do people start to then identify what those priorities look like for themselves? Just because for a lot of people, there's not, well, there's a lot of examples, but they don't know or it's not easily accessible to find somebody that, okay, was able to do it. So for the people that are listening and not have the opportunity to connect with you, how do they then identify those priorities to understand, even though I have all this debt, even though I made this investment into my life, I can still push forward and take a different shift in, in my life path and it's going to be worth it. How do they do that? Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. It takes a lot of, I think a lot of inner work, you know, a lot of introspection and thinking about thinking about your, your purpose and your why, like what brought you to this profession in the first place, but also examining how things have changed based on your life season or your life circumstance. And I think, you know, I use parenthood because I think that's just a great example of when a lot of people experience that. So I think that taking a step back and, and looking at what do you want your ideal life to look like right now? What do you want your ideal life to look like five, 10 years from now? And how long do you want to be working? You know, that's, that's the other thing too, that I think a lot of people don't necessarily consider, you know, what's the exit strategy? When do I, when do I get to stop working? And, and when am I going to, you know, the island somewhere um, and just, you know, drinking margaritas on the beach because I don't want to be working forever. Um, and that's different for everybody, but I think that we owe it to ourselves to really think about that and to and to do things for our own, our own reason. You know, I, I think I've had the experience where I've made decisions based on what I think others expect of me. You know, that comes from, I think, a life of conditioning, of, of being a people pleaser, of being a perfectionist, um, kind of falling into that gender norm of what a good girl should do, quote unquote. Um, but what I realized in these past several years is I'm an adult and I get to make my own decisions and I get to decide what's important to me and then try my best to design my life in a way that reflects that. So I think it's a very, you know, it's kind of an abstract thing. And, and sometimes you have to see and hear other people doing that and saying it out loud, like I am right now to have that light bulb moment of, oh, maybe, maybe things don't have to be this way. And maybe I have control over more than I think. Now, Amanda, I want to kind of talk a little bit about the, just the entrepreneurial aspect of things, because I think that there is this misconception that kind of happens sometimes where people look at it as like good versus bad, right? They think like, 
if you're an entrepreneur or you're in sales or doing something like that, like you're a bad person or you're sleazy or whatever the case may be. Um, a question that I have for you is, do you think that more healthcare professionals should transition into entrepreneurship and why or why not? I would love to see more healthcare professionals in entrepreneurship. I think from, from the ones who I've interacted with and, and become friends with along this journey, what amazing gifts and talents they and we all have to bring to other aspects of healthcare or business aside from patient care. And I think that our patient care training and our medical training provides such a unique perspective in so many other facets of, of life and business. And, you know, it wasn't until I went into entrepreneurship that I realized that I was good at all these other things on the business side of things. And it really was an eye opener. And I, and I have seen that in other people too. So I, I love to hear about healthcare professionals going into business for themselves or entrepreneurship. It just is, it's not as common. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily taboo, but I think that there's a lot of judgment. I'm not sure where that comes from, if it's an envy type of situation, but, you know, nursing, unfortunately, there's a a big bullying culture in nursing. So I, I have faced some attitudes of if you leave the bedside or if you leave patient care, you somehow aren't cut out to do the patient care and you're, you're taking some sort of easy way out. Uh, and that's a difficult, difficult attitude to deal with, but uh, ultimately that's, that's something that that person needs to deal with. It doesn't reflect on what we're doing as business owners. Now, um, as a business owner, and so our audience knows, because for those, you know, who may be listening and, and this is their first time being exposed to you, um, before we even dive a little bit deeper, talk to us a little bit about um, your business and what the resume RX really is. Sure. So I consider myself a career mentor for nursing professionals. So I have a platform where I teach about professional development topics, such as job search strategy, resume strategy, interview preparation, finding your dream job, that type of thing. Um, so that is primarily what I teach. And, and the way people work with me is I have resume templates. So I kind of have that easy button uh, template for people to use uh, who are in nursing. I have some online programs that help people come up with a, a strategy for finding, landing, and loving their dream jobs. And I also work with a select few people one-on-one -on -one in a mentoring capacity. I love it. Listen, I love it um, simply because one, and you know, earlier, let me just follow up with this before I go to the next question, but you know, something that you mentioned, you know, with just why that stigma exists, you know, I always wonder, you know, if maybe it's because we're supposed to be healers and we're supposed to be just focused on the patient and we're supposed to be just, that's our main thing. And it's almost like we're supposed to just forget that we're human, forget that we have priorities, forget that we have families, forget that we didn't just get, I mean, yeah, we got in to serve people, but at the same time, like, 
Am I at the bedside 24 seven, seven days a week? Absolutely not. So I think for a lot of people, you know, it just really starts with prioritizing themselves and putting themselves ahead of the needs of the people signing the check. That's really what it is, right? Um, you just have to start prioritizing yourself. Now, here's this question, um, especially when it comes from, or better yet, let me ask this, just looking at the state of healthcare now, what would be one thing that you, if you could, if you got the blank check, um, what's one thing that you would like to change about healthcare? Oh my gosh, just one thing. <laughs> um, All right, give us top two. <laughs> so from a, from a structural standpoint, I really don't like how there is privilege and access issues that exist within healthcare. I don't think that it's an equitable system overall. And I think that that's tied to the overpayment of executives, CEOs, the surgeons who perform the highly, highly specialized surgeries um, and the overcharging for things like healthcare insurance and, and that type of thing. So that would be from a structural standpoint, what I would change, I guess, a smaller, more, um, more tactical thing I, I would change, which is difficult because maybe it's speaking against what I just said is I would probably pay nurses more. <laughs> I would pay, I would pay everybody more who's there and, and doing the work. So I guess I would redistribute all the funds in a way that is not only more equitable to the people we serve, but also the people providing the services, because there's just tremendous uh, disparity on, bo on both sides of those equations. I'm so glad that you said that because it is the perfect <clears throat> segue. So me and Paul, we have a segment that we do now, which is our black health segment. And for that, you know, we just like to be able to um, bring to light, you know, issues that we in the Black community suffer with as far as our health. Because, yeah, like our podcast is about being able to help, you know, healthcare professionals and entrepreneurs diversify their portfolio. But I think the healthcare portion is very important as well. So, for today's segment, just wanted to say African Americans have a high risk for type 2 diabetes, um, genetic traits, prevalence of obesity, as well as insulin resistance all contribute to this. So for listeners who may have someone in your family who has diabetes, just a couple of tips that I would give is make sure that they're always checking their feet daily, right? Because with diabetes, you can develop diabetic neuropathy, which basically is where the protective sensation that you normally have is not intact. And so when you get a cut, it can turn into a really bad infection. And that's how you can see people get amputations from diabetes. So uh, the one tip that I would want to give in regards to that is make sure that your loved one, uh, they're, they're checking their feet, checking in between their toes, because that is uh, a high area where amputations occur. So that's our Black Health segment for today. Now, uh, moving back into, into the, 
the business side of things, Amanda. What I want to ask you is, so let's say that I'm, because again, here we like to teach too, right? So let's say that I'm a healthcare provider and I'm in another industry, okay? So let's say physical therapy, right? I'm a physical therapist and I see what you're doing and I'm like, I like that. You know, I would like to be able to do something like that in my niche. Explain to me the process of being able to create my own service like yours in my respective industry. Sure. So I definitely recommend being as niched down as as possible. I think that part of the reason why my services resonate with nursing professionals is because that's who I serve. And I, I turn away people who aren't nursing professionals. Some of my messaging can, you know, be for others because some of the messages are the same, but in my language, I'm always speaking to nursing professionals. And one of the first things that someone else could do to get started would be to find out where their target audience is online. So my target audience, nurses are on Instagram. And that's where that's where they were in 2018 when I started and they're pretty much still on Instagram. I specifically like to work with the millennial aged Gen Z as well, aged nurse. So I certainly appeal to a younger crowd. I, If I wanted to work with a different age bracket of nurses, I might be looking more on Facebook or on LinkedIn picking one platform and finding the community of where your people are will really do wonders for building that audience and starting to build those relationships with other influential people in your community. So that would be the first place to start. That's what I would recommend. And, and once you find those people, you want to validate your idea and see is the idea that you have for a business, is it actually something that other people struggle with? Do they struggle with it? And are they willing to pay for a solution? So doing that research in advance will be really beneficial for the future of your business because you want to have a business, not a hobby, right? Hobbies are great. But if whatever you're doing isn't making money at the end of the day, it's a hobby and not a business. So if you want to have a business, you have to make sure that whatever you're providing is something people want, need, and are willing to pay for. I love it. I um, want to just ask you a quick follow-up question. And this just comes from, um, you know, okay, people have heard what you said and it makes sense, but now it's like, you know, some folk can hear and some people need to feel. Um, what resources, you know, would you recommend for somebody that's interested in getting started with um, their own, you know, setting up their own brand? you know, in the same fashion that you did? Sure. So I think there are, there are a lot of people teaching digital marketing and online business online. Uh, and it really depends on what type of business you want to have, whether you want to have a service-based business, meaning people are paying you and you're providing, you're putting time into offering a service versus a digital product-based business like I have, which is People are paying for your templates or online programs that are that are created kind of once and consumed multiple times. Um, I could list a laundry list of of 
people to, to start, um, looking into Danielle Leslie is someone who is a great resource who teaches about courses. Um, Jerisha Hawk is a great individual who teaches about, um, high ticket service sales. I think kind of finding someone who is teaching about what you want to do and just reading and consuming as much as you can and, and getting to the point where you're probably going to invest in a program of theirs or working with a business coach or hiring a mentor, someone who has done what you want to do or who coaches people who do what you want to do uh, and investing essentially in yourself to help get started. Perfect. Perfect. I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, we also like to talk about the money on this podcast. And I know for you, one of your most viewed videos is that um, salary negotiation for nurse practitioners, right? Um, so I really want to get into this just because one, I have this ongoing beef right now with staffing agencies, um, just because my girlfriend is doing travel physical therapy. And we did the math and I just saw how much agencies are taking from the overall cut, right? And so, you know, one of the things that she's definitely had to go into is like, okay, how can she best negotiate her pay um, so it reflects? Um, and I know a lot of people, I just, I don't know what it is, but why doesn't school teach it? But luckily we have <laughs> you um, to really break it down for us. So when somebody's coming in as a nurse practitioner um, or any healthcare professional, your choice, um, how do they really need to go about salary negotiation to make sure they get paid, um, to make sure that certain factors stick out the way you would teach it from top to bottom, kind of break it down for us just so we can understand better. Sure. So the individual or the applicant, you know, your first job is to really do your research. You want to know what the fair market value or the industry standard is for your profession in your geographical area with your years of experience. Those are three variables that will be vastly different. So a nurse practitioner in California is going to have a very different average salary than a nurse practitioner in Ohio. So doing that research, you can use resources online like salary.com, glassdoor.com. There are several organizations that do salary um, studies. I know that they do them for nurses and NPs, and I imagine that those exist for the other professions. So before you even enter the conversation, you want to know what that industry standard is for you. And when you enter the conversation, when the conversation about compensation comes up, it's either going to go one of two ways. They're going to say, we'd like to offer you X amount or they're going to say, what did you have in mind? They may ask you first. And um, I think that regardless of which way it goes, having a range in mind, so not a one single number, but a range uh, within, you know, I usually say a range within about 10 to $15,000 is a fair range for the majority of health professional salaries. And when you're having that conversation, if the number that you're hearing isn't what you were expecting, then you would basically say that you were grateful for the offer. You start by thanking them, then give an explanation for what you were hoping instead. So it might sound like, thank you so much for this generous offer. 
based on my research of average nurse practitioner salaries with my level of experience here in New Jersey, I was hoping to talk about a salary within the $100,000 to $115,000 range, just as an example. Um, and then asking, you know, is it possible to discuss a salary closer to that? So that's some language that you can steal and, and use in that conversation. But the other thing that I'll encourage you to do is make sure you're considering the entire benefits package. A lot of us get really fixated on the number, but at the end of the day, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you take home and put in your pocket. And some of that money you're going to put in your pocket now, some of that money is still going to go in your pocket, but could be later. For example, you could be interviewing someplace that offers a very generous retirement package. Maybe they give you a 10% match to your retirement account. That's, that's huge. That's free money, essentially. It's free deferred money, but it should be taken into account if that's important to you, which if you don't plan on working forever, it should be important to you. So considering that, considering your time off, considering any other perks or bonuses for productivity, that type of thing, taking into account the whole picture so that you don't get too fixated on that one number and potentially discuss or negotiate the wrong things because you're kind of having that narrow um, one-track mind about just that salary number. Now, Amanda, I know that also when it comes to, you know, putting yourself out there to apply to a position that one of the big things is the resume, right? Which we know that you, you have your, your expertise in that as well. So tell us, like, what would you say are three of the biggest myths or misconceptions you see when it comes to resumes typically? So the first thing I would say is that many people tend to put too much responsibility on the resume and assume that's really the only thing that's a factor in helping them get a job. But really the resume's job is to get you the interview. So I think that's a really good initial clarification to make that you have to be doing other things than just focusing on your resume if you want to get a job. There are other parts of the job search strategy. So that's the first thing that I'll say. Don't put too much responsibility on the resume. Um, I'll also say that there can be some preconceived notions about length. There are people who feel very strongly that a resume should never be more than one page. I'm kind of in the camp that if you have value and experience that really tells your story and there's a lot of it and it warrants two pages, then go forth and, and have two pages. So that's the other thing. You can be flexible about the length of your resume. And the third thing that I will say is that if you are submitting a document, so not an online application, if you're su submitting a document, consider the layout, consider the spacing, and consider how much information you're putting in a block of text. So the statistics say that the average hiring manager is going to spend less than 10 seconds scanning your resume. So you want to make sure that you have laid things out in a way that makes it easy for that person to scan. So that means that you have dividers 
you know, or, or headings that differentiate different sections. It means you're probably going to use bullet points rather than long paragraphs. And wherever possible, you're going to leave some white space so that the eye has a place to rest so that it's not just one big block of text, which can be really difficult for someone to comprehend when they're scanning. I love it. Just because those are some un, first of all, I never learned anything about resumes in school. How unfortunate. Um, anyway, anything substantial as it is, I want to change it up just a little bit. And I just want to ask, because, you know, being a mother of three, um, being a wife, being a nurse, being an industry leader, uh, you definitely are doing a lot of stuff. And I think, you know, naturally, we start asking, okay, but how, how does she take care of herself? Like, how do you balance that out? So, you know, just out of curiosity, what does self-care look like for you? Good question. So it's difficult. Some days, the only self-care I get is a hot shower, which really shouldn't count as self-care, but sometimes it does. Um, I try to have some mindfulness practice. So I try to meditate when possible. I, in the past few months, not so much this month because of the snow, but back in the fall, I started to run. I've never been a runner. And one of my big life ambitions is to be a runner. So I've been putting the baby in the running stroller and, and getting outside, which just the act of being outside is tremendously helpful for me and my mental health. And the fresh air really does wonders. And especially with the past year that we've had where there's been a lot of staying at home and then especially working from home, sometimes I don't realize how much I don't go outside. So that uh, those are the main things for me. I also really love to read. So I read fiction books and then I like to listen to audiobooks that are more memoir, self-improvement, biography, those types of categories. So now I got to ask you, because me and Paul, we bookworms. So once you said reading, I was like, yep, she opened the door for it. Uh, so what would you say, like, from a, a business standpoint, what would you say is one book that you read and you felt like it kind of changed the game for you? So I would say The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks was a phenomenal book and so helpful for me. He talks about upper limit problems and our zones of genius and basically says that the majority of us can identify one or two problems that keep us from reaching our highest potential and usually can be traced to different like themes in our childhood. So uh, as an example, my upper limit problem that I've identified is outshining meaning that I will play small or I will minimize my accomplishments for fear of outshining others. Because when I was younger, being a high achiever, I got picked on by family members and friends for being the smart kid or the goody goody or the kid who was always, you know, making the honor roll or, or whatever. And so that turned into, I internalized that as something negative when really it's one of my superpowers. So that book I recommend to all people and especially all business owners. 
I, I'm a big fan of discussing about my zone of genius because um, when you start accepting, and I love it too, because when you start accepting and working within that zone, understanding the stuff that you're really good at and letting everybody else around you on your team start to focus on the, you know, the stuff that you really shouldn't be focusing on, things really start to happen. Um, since we're on this topic, what's one quote you live by? Oh man. Or quotes. I know I keep like boxing you in, like give us one of everything. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I'm not sure that I have a quote, but um I have an affirmation that I tell myself fairly regularly, a few affirmations. So one is let it be easy. So that's been one that I've tried to adopt in my mom life and also in my business life. You know, I, I'm kind of intellectually inclined to the point where I can overcomplicate things. And so I have to remind myself to let it be easy. So that is one thing that I like to tell myself often. Um, and the other is a money affirmation and I have it on a post-it note right here. <laughs> and it is, my income is constantly increasing. So I don't think that it's bad or shameful to want to have a profitable business that makes a lot of money. I, I really believe that without money, we can't have a mission. So that is, uh, this has been written on a post-it for a little over a year now, and I see it pretty much every day. I love that. I love that so much because I think that's one of those tactics and that's one of those practices really that a lot of people underestimate what it can do for you and for your business especially for your mindset and you know with that it also makes me think of the fact that whenever me and Paul kind of discuss personal development and what it's done for us we like to tell people your business can't really grow unless you're growing your mindset right and so with that piece, you know, you, you do the reading, you do the affirmations, you do all this stuff to help keep you centered and also grow your mind. But I know it's also easy to sometimes get in our heads, right? It's sometimes easy to think maybe we're not deserving of something. And it's something that I think everyone suffers with. So for you, um, describe to us how you overcome your bouts of imposter syndrome. Mm. So for me, I rely pretty heavily on one friend in particular, but kind of a handful of friends who are, who I've met through business, who are other nurses who are doing similar things, meaning leaving patient care in order to serve other nurses in their business. And, you know, sometimes we have moments back and forth with each other, like, who are we to be teaching this? Who are we to be making this money? Who are we to be growing this business and, and getting these opportunities? So we act as each other's cheerleader because it's so easy to see the potential and the worthiness in somebody else, especially someone who you really care about. So that is one of the ways that has really helped me. Uh, I've also worked with a life coach and a therapist and, and those practices, having someone objective to help me through those challenges 
has really been, been helpful. And, um, I can also, I can also get some encouragement and reinforcement from my community, not, not in the way that I look to them for it, but sometimes whenever I'm having a little bit of a down moment, I'll get a random email thanking me for whatever service or education, um, resource I provided, and it made a big difference in their lives. So I keep those all in a, in a Slack channel on our team Slack channel so that I can go through them and remind myself of, of the good that I'm doing and, and the worthiness that, that I have innately and that my business is, is earning. I love that, um, answer simply because it, you know, it definitely, speaks to how Carl and I also bounce off of each other. Um, just because, you know, in all honesty, I'm one of those folks that's just like self-confident 24 seven, um, except that one day, you know, <laughs> and that one day can go into like three days or like five days where I'm just like, I don't feel like what I'm doing has an impact or, or the bigger one, um, you know, especially in our industry, you know, I find myself waking up like, I don't think I'm qualified to do this, um, you know, but one of my one of my mantras is like, you know, even though I may not feel qualified, I know I am called to it. So, you know, I just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, and speaking of pushing to our listeners, listen, you know what else we're pushing? Our shirts. OK, I said it. We're here. I love we're those pushing shirts. our shirts. I got the black, Carl has a white, you already know, we have the gray available mm. and we have the red. And you know, I feel like it's coming closer and I keep saying this, but y'all gonna just figure it out one day. I really will wake up one day and decide we're not gonna customize them anymore. But until that day, you know what you need to do, text us the word shirt to 321-384-6275. Again, that's 321 321- Three eight four six two seven five. Also, if you text us study guide, you will get the study guide that comes with this episode because we're not just about making you listen. We also want you to be able to learn and apply a lot of these things that Amanda has been so kind to teach to us. So text word study guide 321-384-6275 to get it. And don't forget those shirts. They're available. You can customize them until we decide we're not customizing them anymore. But until then, get yours. The Segway King. Thank you for that, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Amanda, um, wow. Thank you so much for, for hopping on, you know, and, and just dropping the, the gems that you dropped on us. You know, I think that there is going to be a lot of value that comes from this episode. And even I'm thinking of once I'm done with school and once my classmates are done with school, like, yo, go check out a OTC episode whichever episode this one is so you can figure out how to negotiate that salary. Um, but seriously, really appreciate you, you know, donating your time as a, as a busy entrepreneur, as a mom, as a wife, you know, we, we don't take that lightly. So uh, just extreme gratitude to you. Now for those who are listening and this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be some contact information or social media info you would want to leave with them to uh, reach out to you? Sure. So I mentioned it earlier. Instagram is my platform of choice. So you can find me over there at the resume RX, or you can visit my website, theresumerx.com. 
Perfect, perfect. Thank you. To our lovely listeners, it is that time once again to end the episode, but greatly appreciate you guys. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll to the very bottom of the page, hit that five-star, write us a five-star review. We say this every week, guys. Please stop texting me. Please stop texting us, telling us how awesome the episode was or you enjoyed the guests. Go write it on the review so that other people can know the value we're putting out here as well. But seriously, we love y'all. We appreciate you. Until next time, peace. Many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.